بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وأصلي وأسلم على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا وحبيبنا وقرة أعيننا محمد بن عبد الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه أفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم أما بعد We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask him, the Almighty, to send his choicest of blessings and salutations upon the final messenger, our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam, his family members, his companions, and all those who tread upon his path with utmost sincerity until the day of Qiyamah. I'd like to uh, start off by reminding myself and then all of you all uh, tuning in to bring in a life of taqwa. And that is to be conscious of your maker, to be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be mindful of Allah azza wa jal. During every single second of your lives, if you wish to attain victory and success in this world as well as the hereafter, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all from the people of taqwa and may he make us from the victorious and successful ones. Ameen. <clears throat> so here we are, we are in the month of Ramadan and subhanallah, half of it has gone by. We have just a few more days left of this beautiful and blessed month. So tonight's reminder is going to be about how this month how this month is a shining light on a yearly basis Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he blesses us with this month for us to recalibrate ourselves for us to spiritually rejuvenate ourselves for us to get closer to him this month is known as the month of the Quran this month is known as the month of forgiveness this month is known as the month of righteousness the month of taqwa the month of goodness it is such a beautiful season so it is upon us to constantly keep reminding ourselves with regards to the virtue of this month and i hope to address this evening's reminder from a slightly different angle you see when you talk about the month of ramadan it is it is obviously connected to the pillar of islam known as as-saum right so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he educates us he informs us bunya al-islam ala khams that islam is built upon five and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam now goes on to uh mention the pillars of islam so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam explains that you have the testimonies of faith and tashhada an la ilaha illa allah wa anna muhammadar rasulullah then wa tuqima as-salah and then you have to go on to establish prayer wa tasuma ramadan you have zakah and then you have the fasting of the month of ramadan so with regards to saum with regards to fasting this particular term it's an arabic term so saum can be defined as al imsak al imsak you see when you go through the uh, classical books of fiqh you have definitions put forth by scholars so you have the literal definition and you have the shar'an the technical definition so the literal definition of of a saum is al imsak wal kaf an shay an shay al imsak wal kaf an shay so you have this abstainment if you will so to abstain and to prevent yourself from something now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in in the quran in surah maryam allah azza wa jalla he mentions the statement of uh, maryam alayha salam inni nadartu lirrahmani sawma indeed i have taken a a wow an oath a promise uh, unto ar-rahman sawma basically an abstainment where you know she is to abstain from speaking to abstain from speaking so as you can see literally it is to basically prevent yourself and to abstain from from something now shar'an in the context of the deen saum is to stay away from whatever invalidates your fast primarily you have food you have drink you have sexual relations so you need to stay away from these things and other invalidators of the fast from dawn to sunset so this is basically saum when you when you touch on it from a shar'i perspective from a dini perspective from a technical perspective so what do you understand from this 
The month of Ramadan is about subtracting. The month of Ramadan is about subtracting. See, throughout the year, we tend to indulge. Let's say in terms of food, whenever you are hungry, you indulge in food. When it comes to drink, whenever you are thirsty, you do what? You indulge in in, in drinking water, in drinking milk, in drinking something that would uh, quench your thirst. Similarly, between two spouses, when they want to indulge in sexual relations, you know, as long as it is not during a, 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 a time frame in which perhaps the female uh, spouse is on her period, as long as it is permissible between the two, you may indulge. But during the month of Ramadan, there is abstainment. During the month of Ramadan, there is subtraction. So now we have this notion where throughout our lives, we... You know, we kind of think of happiness in a positive sense. And when I say positive sense, I'm not um, necessarily uh, touching on it uh, from a, an optimistic angle. We'll touch on that in just a bit. When I say positive, what I mean is we think that only by adding things to our lives that we will attain this state of happiness. We think by adding possessions. Oh, I have one car, let me purchase another car. I have one house, let me purchase another house. So we think by adding things. That's the only way we can attain, attain happiness. But you know what, my dear brothers and sisters? Maybe we have been going about it all wrong. You see, when we talk about happiness now through subtraction, rather than happiness through addition, it, it might seem counterintuitive, you know. You might think that, you know, I really need to add rather than subtract. But, you know, you have to understand that it's extremely difficult to feel free, to feel light with heavy baggage weighing you down. So the more you attempt to add to your life in order to be happy, you might be ending up burdening yourself more. So the month of Ramadan teaches us that you need to subtract. You need to subtract to lighten your, your, your burden. You need to subtract to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about it during the day when you stay away from food. You see, when you, when you consume a lot of food, what happens? You know, you, you might have seen the memes floating around. You might have seen these, these funny jokes that people crack with regards to certain people as to how they eat food after iftar. You know, there was this one picture of a man sprawled on the ground with a lot of food around him and there is nothing. There was this other uh, funny video that, you know, I watched the other day of, 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 a, of a giraffe, basically. He's all blown up and he's trying to drink water and he uh, tips over and falls into the, the river. And, and the caption was, this is how, you know, some of us are after iftar. Uh, it's not necessarily an over-exaggeration, if you will, because some of us do tend to feel like that right after iftar. Reason being, we tend to stuff ourselves, you know, because we've been hungry from morning. We tend to eat a lot. Now, my point, my dear brothers and sisters, is how do you feel when you're bogged down with all of that food? You feel very lethargic. You feel, you feel sluggish. Do you feel like uh, performing good deeds? Do you feel like reading the Quran? Do you feel like being productive? Productive. No, rather you become so so sluggish and so slow. So this is this is what I'm trying to highlight here. You know, when you burden yourself, what happens is you end up being counterproductive. It, it ends up being counterproductive. You end up being very sluggish. But on the other hand, when you lighten yourself, think about during the day of Ramadan, you are light, right? So you are a lot more alert. Okay, you feel a lot more alert. You are able to perform. You're able to do more good deeds. So this is what the month of Ramadan highlights in, in a very broad sense. Because some of us, we think of the month of Ramadan or as fasting as being just to stay away from food and drink. The month of Ramadan, my dear brothers and sisters, there's such a high and lofty objective when it comes to the month of Ramadan. A high and lofty objective. Allah mentions the, the objective in the Quran where he says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, kutiba alaykumusiyam, kama kutiba alaladina min kabalikum, la alakum tatakun. La alakum tatakun. You might have heard this reminder during the month of 
uh, Ramadan and perhaps prior to the month of Ramadan. But what I want to highlight, my dear brothers and sisters, is this is the lofty objective. So that you bring in taqwa. So what is taqwa? You see, a sahabi, a companion of the Prophet ﷺ was asked about taqwa. In other words, to define taqwa. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Abu Hurairah or, or Ibn Abbas So basically this companion, he asks the question, have you ever walked down a path, a thorny path? Have you ever walked down a thorny path? To which the questioner replies in the affirmative. He says, yes, I have. Why? So now Abu Hurairah he then, or the companion who was answering the question, he says, he asks him, what did you do whilst walking down this uh, thorny path? He says, well, because there were thorns, you know, jutting out from both corners. I gathered my clothing. I gathered my clothing close to myself and I made my way very carefully down the path. I made my way very carefully down the path. In other words, very gingerly, very carefully to ensure that I'm not snagging my clothing onto the thorns. I made, myself, I, I made my way very carefully. So now the companion goes on to say, this is basically taqwa. This is basically taqwa. So the understanding put forth by scholars, put forth by scholars, my dear brothers and sisters, is that the path is this worldly life. It's a metaphor. It's a parable. It's a deep parable. It's a deep metaphor that requires a little bit of contemplation to understand. The path is this worldly life. This life that you and I, we are traversing. We are headed to where? Al-Akhirah. Al-Akhirah. That's what we're headed. That's where we're headed to, right? Al-Akhirah. Before I continue with that example, and there's another tangent that I'd like to touch on. You see, when you take us human beings... You see this, this composition of ours, right? We consist of what? We consist of a few elements. We consist of the body. We consist of a ruh, the soul. Then you have the nafs. So as you can see, there are, there are elements that are put into the composition of a human being. Now what I want to highlight is that if you take the body, my dear brothers and sisters, the body, as we know from the Quran and the Sunnah, Mintin, it is the body is created from clay. The body is created from clay. And the body needs to be nourished. Okay, the body needs to be nourished. So now you have you have obviously fasting, but then you do need to break your fast. You need to give your body food and drink to survive. So where does this food and drink come from? The food and drink comes from this worldly life. So you nourish your body with things from this worldly life. The body needs to sleep. The body needs to eat. The body needs to drink. And this body is constantly yearning for this worldly life. It likes the pleasures of this worldly life from sexual gratification to food, to drink, to sleep. The body likes and loves and yearns for the pleasures of this worldly life and the body needs to be nourished also through things that are from this worldly life. But what about the soul? What about a ruh? We know for a fact that the ruh, the soul, is connected to the hereafter. Allah Azza wa Jal, when talking about the, create, the creation of Adam, our father Adam alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah Azza wa Jal mentions that he breathes into Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. The ruh was breathed into Adam alayhi salatu wasalam by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the ruh is connected to the hereafter. And just as how the body needs to be nourished, the ruh needs to be nourished as well. The soul needs to be nourished as well. Now can you nourish the soul with pizza? Can you nourish the soul with pasta? Can you nourish the soul with milkshakes and burgers and, and, and chicken and this and that? The body can be, but again, junk food is not good for you. But the soul, no. The soul, it needs nourishment, but it needs to be nourished with things that are connected to the hereafter, spiritual matters. And we learn that the soul is nourished through the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The soul is nourished through the recitation of the Qur'an, through the pondering of the Qur'an. The soul is nourished through ibadah, through acts of worship. 
And just as how this body constantly keeps yearning for this worldly life and the pleasures of this worldly life, the soul is constantly yearning for the hereafter. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Look at the human body. The body is yearning for this worldly life and the soul is yearning for al-akhirah. Now, having discussed that tangent, we come back to taqwa. The definition of taqwa put forth by this uh, sahabi. This, the path is the journey that you and I, we are traversing. We are headed to al-akhirah. The thorns are one interpretation. You can interpret them as the muharramat. The prohibitions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The prohibitions of Allah azza wa jal. Whatever Allah azza wa jal has asked you to abstain and stay away from. So these are the thorns and brambles. Another interpretation is that these thorns could be interpreted as the traps of the devil. The traps of shaitan. Because it is his mission day in and day out to try and distract and to lead astray as many of us as possible. So his traps have been laid out. So the intelligent mu'min, the intelligent believer, he identifies these traps, he discerns, and he is knowledgeable of the muharramat, of the prohibitions of Allah, and the key point is that he is vigilant. He does not conduct himself or carry himself in a heedless upon a heedless manner no that is not a believer a believer is constantly vigilant a believer just doesn't stuff anything down his throat as a believer can you just eat anything that you want no as a believer you need to be careful because allah says kulu halalan tayyiba you need to eat that which is halal and that which is good that which is wholesome so you wouldn't just stuff anything down your throat because you know that if you were to consume haram, the repercussions, the, the, the ramifications are serious. You know that your du'as are not going to be answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know that your du'as are not going to be answered by Allah azza wa jal. As per the hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he talks about an individual who raises his hands, he's making du'a. Matu'amuhu haram, mashrabuhu haram, malbasuhu haram. His food is from haram sources, his drink is from haram sources, his clothing is from haram sources. Ghudhiya bil haram, he's been nourished by haram. So the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asks, fa'anna yustajabla. How, how is he going to be responded to? So my dear brothers and sisters, this is taqwa, being mindful. So now when you link that to the month of Ramadan and you understand that the objective uh, uh, behind this month is, is taqwa, now you arrive at this conclusion that this Ramadan needs to become a mindful Ramadan. It can't be a heedless Ramadan. It needs to be a mindful one. Where you train yourself to be mindful, to be vigilant. See, during the day of Ramadan, you know, at times your throat is parched and you want to drink some water. The water is right in front of you. The refrigerator is right in front of you. You can go open it up, take a cool drink, grab some water and quench your thirst. But what do you do? You control yourself. You discipline yourself. You don't give in to your desires. Subhanallah. Allah says in the Quran talking about the nafs. Indeed the nafs is ever inclined towards evil. It is ever inclined towards evil. And, and here there's another tangent that I'd like to touch on. You see during the month of Ramadan... We learn from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that what? The devils are shackled up. The, the gates of Jannah are open, wide open. The, the, the gates of Jahannam are slammed shut. And shayateen, sufidati shayateen. The devils are shackled up. So this is why during the month of Ramadan, you feel lesser inclined towards sin, towards evil. Towards transgressing the limits of Allah. But there are those who question, who ask, but yet at times, Sheikh, I feel like committing sins. 
Oh, I have, I have committed sins during the month of Ramadan. Please explain how come if shaitan is shackled, then why am I still inclined towards evil? My dear brother, my dear sister, you have to understand. Like I mentioned earlier on, the human body, rather the human being, the composition of a human being consists of a few elements. And you have this element known as a nafs. And similarly, it is just not one evil force at play. It is just not shaitan that you have to worry about. You have to worry about your nafs as well, the influence of the nafs. And the month of Ramadan is a good opportunity for you to distinguish. Because outside of Ramadan, it might be difficult for you to arrive at a conclusion as to whether this is your nafs or the influence of shaitan. As to whether it is the influence of the nafs, of your own nafs or the influence of shaitan. During Ramadan, my dear brother, my dear sister, the influence of shaitan is eliminated. So if you are feeling inclined towards evil, if you are feeling inclined towards sin, then you need to really take yourself into account because it is the influence of your own nafs. And your nafs needs to be disciplined. Your nafs needs to be disciplined. Otherwise, it is going to put you, it is going to push you into into holes of trouble into pits of trouble may Allah protect us because when talking about the influences of evil my dear brothers and sisters shaitan is an outside influence yes the prophet ﷺ, he tells us that shaitan runs in our blood through his waswas through his suggestions through his evil whisperings but when you when you when you compare shaitan and nafs shaitan is an outside influence the nafs is an inside influence. Now let me give you a metaphor. Let me give you an example. Think about it this way. You have something precious at home. Alright? You have something precious, something valuable at home. Let's say it's a valuable gem, a, a, a valuable diamond if you will at home. Okay, if you will at home. Now you have locked it up. Why? Because you know that there are thieves, there are robbers outside. If they get wind of the fact that you have a very precious diamond with you, they'll break in and try to steal it from you. So the thieves who are outside, the robbers who are outside, they are akin to shaitan. Constantly, these thieves on a daily basis, every day their mission is to try and you know rob and steal and do all of this. And that is basically the mission of shaitan. You see, every single day, he is basically contemplating, he is working towards trying to lead as many of us astray as possible. And, and this is what he said, right? Out of his arrogance, out of his pride, That I will, uh, he, he basically is swearing by Allah and saying, I'm going to lead them all astray. May Allah protect us from his, from his uh, traps, from the traps of shaitan. I mean, so he is the robber outside. Just imagine now you have this precious diamond and what if you have a, a, a robber, a thief in your own house from your own family members? Who do you think is more dangerous? The outside influence or the inside influence? Allahu Akbar. Now do you realize the seriousness? If you do not discipline your nafs, you are in deep trouble. Because that is the thief, the robber from inside. And even without you knowing, this thief, this robber is going to put you in, like I said, pits of trouble. May Allah protect us. May Allah help us to discipline our nufus. I mean, may Allah make our nufus. Ya ayyatuhan nafsul mutma'innah. Irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan mardiyyan Fadkhuli fi ibadi wadkhuli jannati Talking about the peaceful and tranquil nafs which will return to Allah radiyah mardiyah There are scholars who you know, separate the categories and say they are different categories of, of nufus but at the end of the day that is the nafs which will which Allah, which it will be said to that nafs, فَدْخُلِي فِي عِبَادِ وَدْخُلِي جَنَّتِي Enter into my garden. May Allah Azzawajal grant us all entry into His lofty garden. Ameen. Ameen. So my dear brothers and sisters, now coming back to a mindful Ramadan, 
a mindful Ramadan where you are constantly vigilant. You know, like I said, you're not going to just drink anything. You're not going to eat anything. So it trains you that this one month, it trains you to navigate, to control yourself, to carry yourself during the remainder of the year, the remaining 11 months. So, so this is a beautiful season of opportunity and goodness to help us to subtract to subtract these things that are weighing us down. It, it teaches us, this month of Ramadan teaches us to live lighter. The month of Ramadan teaches us to give, to give, to give. Subhanallah. By giving, one is you don't become poor. And by giving, you become lighter, your heart becomes lighter. It's so beautiful this month of Ramadan. So I'm going to quickly touch on a few subtractions. Because the month of Ramadan is about subtracting. Subtracting as in, subtracting these burdens that are bogging you down and weighing you down. So with regards to now subtraction, number one, subtract negativity. And negativity can be categorized into two here very quickly. You have negative information, you have negative people. Now with regards to negative information, you have it in different forms today. Different forms. It can be in the form of social media. You see social media, it's a blessing from Allah. Right? It's a tool. So today because we have these platforms, look how easily and how conveniently we are connecting from different parts of the world and benefiting from one another from different parts of the world. So definitely we have to thank Allah for this blessing, for this opportunity. I mean, think about it in the midst of a pandemic where you know travel is restricted, countries are going into lockdowns, you have wave after wave of the pandemic. But alhamdulillah, because Allah has blessed us with these platforms, we are able to keep uh, in touch with one another. We are able to benefit, we are able to seek knowledge. So definitely we have to thank Allah for all these blessings. But along with that we have to understand that they are not supposed to be taken for granted and they are not to be used in a wrong way, in an erroneous way. See today social media, you need to ask yourself how do I use it? If you are consuming negative information, negative piece of information after negative piece of information, negative headline after negative headline, it's going to make you far more worried, far more anxious and sad. So you have to be extremely careful with the type of information that you consume, with the type of information that you share. So this month of Ramadan, let it serve as a, as a training to discipline you. With regards to how you carry yourself on social media. How with every piece of information that you come across. What do you do with it? Do you just hit the share button? Without even thinking for a split second as to whether this information is beneficial or not. Is it true or false? Is it going to, is it going to help me win the pleasure of Allah or earn the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes you have pieces of information that are talking bad about others or in the in the comments or as you type out a message you see it's about being mindful remember i'm going to keep going back to the 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 whole idea of being mindful just because you're typing a comment it doesn't mean that you can do it heedlessly or oh, believer in Allah or oh, believer of Allah oh my dear brother my dear sister you need to be mindful mindful just as how you wouldn't put haram into your mouth, you need to be mindful when you type out things. You need to be mindful with what rolls off your tongue. See, like I said earlier on, fasting is not, in other words, Ramadan is not just about staying away from food and drink. Your limbs, your limbs need to fast as well. Your eyes need to fast, your ears need to fast, your tongue needs to fast, your heart needs to fast. If you're wondering, really? I've never heard about all of that. All I've heard is that, you know, I need to stay away from food and drink. And that's about it. Subhanallah, you are skimming over the surface if that is the case. You've barely scratched the surface if, if, if that's your understanding of the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan is to train you, my dear brother, my dear sister, not to look at things that displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
the month of Ramadan is here to train you not to listen to things that displease Allah The month of Ramadan is here to train you, to discipline you, not to use your tongue to displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about it. Today our tongues, this, this tiny piece of flesh, look at what and what we say, what and what we do with our tongues. Allah tells us to avoid backbiting, but how many of us have truly avoided backbiting? Ask yourself. How many of us have avoided backbiting? When we know that backbiting is akin to eating the, the flesh of your dead brother or your dead sister. Cannibalism as Allah says in the Quran. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, ijtanibu kathiran min al-dhan, inna ba'da al-dhanni ithm, wala tajassasu, wala yaghtab ba'dukum ba'da, ayuhibbu ahadukum an yakula lahma akhihi mayta, fakarihtumu. Allah so clearly says in the Quran, and yet knowing that it's a bad thing, we still indulge in it. And some of us, oh subhanallah, some of us, we, we, we enjoy it. It's, it's almost like a, an adrenaline boost. It's almost like, you know, a, you know like, like how drug addicts get, get a hit out of, you know, snorting and consuming their drugs. Some of us are addicted to gossiping and backbiting. Where we would literally go and sit down with tea and chai and coffee and cake and all of that and backbite and gossip. Oh subhanallah. May Allah protect us. And then, with regards to, with regards to the tongue, see, with regards to your 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 tongue, you have the the the, the obviously you have the sin of of backbiting. And then, with regards to your ears, now, with regards to your ears, indulging and listening to these conversations. That's another problematic thing. And then with regards to your heart, if you were to entertain ill thoughts, negative thoughts about others. So as you can see, level by level, you need to work on disciplining yourself. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what does he tell us? أَلَا وَإِنَّ فِي الْجَسَدِ مُضْغَةِ إِذَا صَلُحَتْ صَلُحَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ فَسَدَ الْجَسَدُ كُلُّهُ the Prophet ﷺ, he tells us, know that indeed in the body there is a piece of flesh. If that piece of flesh is upright, if that piece of flesh is good, then the entire body is upright, the entire body is good. But if that piece of flesh is bad, if that piece of flesh is evil, then the entire body of that individual is bad, corrupt and evil. And know that that piece of flesh is the heart. May Allah bless us with pure hearts. How many of us, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, despite being reminded on a regular basis, we still entertain negative thoughts about others. We still think bad about others. We still find it so difficult to make excuses for others. For the slightest thing, we have a bad impression about them. For the slightest thing, we backbite. For the slightest thing, we gossip. We don't think twice. The minute a piece of information comes to us, we completely change our perspective about that person and go on to oh, you know, talk all kinds of things. Look at how weak we are, subhanAllah. My dear brothers, my dear sisters, do you know? You know, you're striving so hard to do so much of good deeds. Yes or no? During the month of Ramadan, you're praying Salat al-Taraweeh, you're giving out charity from your hard-earned wealth, you're staying away from food and drink during the day of Ramadan. You're doing all kinds of good deeds. Hajj, Umrah, on the day of Qiyamah, you, why are you doing these good deeds, my dear brother, my dear sister? Why are you doing it? Do you not want to see it when you stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You want to see it when you stand in front of Allah azza wa jal. But think how unfortunate you're going to be if you're going to stand in front of Allah with these good deeds, okay, with mountains of good deeds, and then if people start lining up, queuing up to do what? To take from you. This is basically the muflis as per the words of the Prophet ﷺ, the bankrupt individual. Because on the day of Qiyamah, you're not going to have USD with you. You're not going to have dollars with you. You're not going to have pounds with you. You're not going to have rupees with you. You're not going to have Bitcoin with you. What's the currency? A'malu salihah. 
your good deeds. So now when they all line up and start claiming, oh so and so, he backbit me, he hurt me, he did this, he did that. It will be said, pay with your good deeds. And now you will have to start giving your good deeds. Allahu Akbar. Giving your good deeds. Why? You're because you have infringed upon the rights of the slaves of Allah. So much to the extent that this individual will run out of good deeds. And people are still lining up. There's a huge queue. Now it will be said, given that there are no good deeds for this individual to pay with and, and, and put things right to settle the accounts, let the evil deeds, the bad deeds of these individuals who have lined up be transferred into this person's account. Al-Iyadu Billah, how unfortunate is this individual? He came with mountains of good deeds and now he's heaped with mountains of sins. May Allah protect us all. So train yourselves, my dear brothers and sisters. This month of Ramadan is for that. It's not just to stay away from food and drink, to go into the month of Ramadan and to come out the other side a few pounds lighter. That's not the purpose of the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan, there are lofty objectives behind it to work on your heart and to make it, to strive to make it like the heart of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa such a positive individual. So we were talking about subtracting negative information. Subtracting negative people. You see as the, as the quote, as the saying goes, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Look around. Look at your company. Your company defines who you are. And this is why the Prophet of Allah وسلم, is reported to have said, Hadith is in the book of Imam al-Bukhari. The example of a good companion who sits with you in comparison with a bad one is like that of the musk seller and the blacksmith's bellows or the blacksmith's furnace. From the first individual, from the musk seller, you would either buy musk or enjoy its good smell. Whilst the bellows, the furnace of the blacksmith would either burn your clothes or burn your house or you will get a bad and nasty smell thereof. Look at the parable. Look at the example the Prophet ﷺ is using in the hadith. The example of a good friend is that is like the example of a musk seller, a perfume seller. Let's say you have a friend who is a perfume seller. What happens? When you go to see your friend, perhaps you might end up buying a perfume. Maybe there's something on sale. Maybe there's an offer. Buy one, get one free. You'll end up buying some perfume. Or even if you don't buy some perfume, what happens? When you go into his store, you're going to find enough and more free tester bottles. You'll end up spraying. You know, some people, they actually do that. They don't buy perfume. They just go in and spray tester bottles and they come out. No, let's not be like that, inshallah. All right. But you know, at the very least, my point being, you'll go in and you'll come out sweet smelling. Why? Because he's a perfume seller. On the other hand, the example of a bad companion is like the example of a blacksmith. Now, what happens when you go into a blacksmith's furnace? Can you go in with your normal clothes? Is it advisable for you to go in with your normal clothes? No. Ideally, you're supposed to be putting on some you know, old clothes and going. Why? Because when you go in, you're going to have sparks flying. You're going to have this sooty, uh, smoky smell. And if you're not careful with your clothing, you're going to come out the other side with holes in your clothing. You're going to come out the other side covered in soot. You're going to come out the other side smelling of smoke. So this is the example of a bad companion. A good companion, if you are in the company of a good companion, that individual's good habits will rub off on you. That individual's reminders will work on you. And that individual will help you stay on track. Will keep tabs on you. He'll help you stay on track. On the other hand, if you hang out with the wrong company, my dear brother, my dear sister, there are some of us who say, you know what? I hang out with them, but I don't indulge in what they indulge in. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect our children. But it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Before you also, before they start pulling you into that evil spiral, that evil vortex. May Allah protect us all. And once you start falling into that abyss, that abyss of evil, let's say they are into drugs. Let's say they are into intoxicants. And if you fall down that pit, do you think it's easy to come out of it, my dear brother, my dear sister? 
Do you think it's easy to come out of it? Let's say they're into gambling, they're into casinos and all of that stuff. If you fall into one of those pits, do you think it's easy to come out of it? Allahu Akbar. So why even risk and put yourself at risk in the first place? Why? Why? Rather eliminate and avoid such company. And this is what the second subtraction is all about. Subtract negative people who have a negative influence, who drag you down. You know, I've said this before. Have you heard of crabs? You know crabs? According to the Hanafi school of thought, uh, you can't uh, consume them. Crabs are basically, uh, I think, a Hanafi, uh, uh, the Hanafi's, uh, Hanafi's nightmare, basically, you know. But those of you who are following the other schools of thought, if you're a person who follows the Shafi'i school of thought, walillahi alhamd, you can indulge, you can enjoy. There's a difference of opinion and that's a discussion for another day anyway. I was just making light of it. Now, with regards to crabs, if you have crabs, let's say you've caught some crabs, if you put one crab into a bucket, there's a possibility that the crab, because the bucket is open, right? The crab will, you know, crawl out and, you know, escape. But if you put a couple of crabs into a bucket, you know what is strange? None of them will escape the bucket. Now you might be wondering why. You know why? Each time one tries to get out, the other one pulls it back in. Subhanallah. Each time one tries to get out of the bucket, the other one outstretches its claw and pulls it back in. So in the end, none of them ever escape. So there are some people, my dear brothers and sisters, they're like crabs. And you need to be vigilant. You need to be mindful. See, I kept telling you that I'll be going back to being mindful. You need to be mindful to be able to identify such individuals in your life. And see, at times the tricky thing, the challenging part is it depends on who those people are in your life. Not all of them can be subtracted entirely. Some of them you have to keep them at an arm's length. Some of them you have to move with them diplomatically. So it's a, it's a somewhat lengthy discussion. And ideally, if you're in a bit of a sticky situation, it's best that you reach out to someone, learn it, a scholar who will help you navigate through such situations, you know. But generally speaking, generally speaking, you need to be able to minimize your interactions with them. And if possible, subtract. Moving on. Another subtraction that I'd like to touch on, you know, as we, as we get towards the, the conclusion of, of this reminder, is to subtract the bottom 20% of your life. Now you might be wondering, what's this all about? You see, you have a principle called the Pareto Principle. You can read up on it later on. This principle basically suggests or states that for many outcomes, for many results, you know, in, in, in your lives... Roughly 80% of consequences come from 20% of the causes. There are other names that have been suited for this principle. You have the 80-20 rule, okay, or the law of the vital few. Okay, so you have these names that have been suited. So basically what you need to do is you need to look at what are the 20% of things that cause 80% of my unhappiness in my life. And what are the 20% of things that cause 80% of my happiness? So you have 20% that causes 80% of unhappiness and you have 20% that causes 80% of your happiness. So the 20% that cause 80% of your unhappiness, you need to be ruthless. This is your life we're talking about. You need to subtract that 20%. There are these little things that trouble you, that bog you down without you even realizing at times. And for this, you need to be mindful. You need to be able to discern what are the things that actually matter and what are the things that do not matter and the things that are bogging you down, weighing you down, you know, like weighing you down like a heavy anchor. You need to be able to declutter, declutter. That's the word. You need to declutter your life. The last subtraction, my dear brothers and sisters, is the subtraction, or rather it is to subtract, the desire to prove yourself. 
See, I need to make something clear. There is nothing wrong with having lofty goals, and and our Deen actually, is, our Deen encourages us to do that. Uluwul Himma, basically, to have big and ambitious goals, to have big dreams. Of course, aspire, have high aspirations. But what's harmful is when you are pursuing these goals, these lofty goals, in order to prove something. You see, some of us pursue certain things to prove to others. You know, that's when it becomes problematic. When you're trying to prove it to others and at times even prove it to yourself. So it's all about proving your self-worth. It's all about validating, you know, their existence. So this is where it becomes a little bit toxic and you need to be, you need to be careful where you need to you need to you know do things in such a way where you need to keep it to yourself keep your announcements to yourself and do things for enjoyment for love that way you become happier my dear brothers and sisters do whatever you're doing with lofty goals such as pleasing allah not pleasing don't do it my point is do it for the approval of the creator don't do it for the applause of the creation. One day they'll applaud and the next day they will even stoop to the level of spitting on you. May Allah protect us. This is the creation. So rather, why waste your time with the creation? Or rather, why waste your time on the applause of the creation? Focus, fixate yourself on the pleasure of the Almighty and then you will never be let down. La nuridu minkum jaza'an wala shukura. We don't need the reward from the creation. We don't need thanks from the creation. We are looking for the pleasure of our maker, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the pleasure of the Almighty. And given that I have a few more minutes, I want to touch on one more thing. Subtract attachments. You see, like I said at the beginning, some of us, we think that we will not, we are not going to be happy until we have certain things. Until we have this much of wealth. Some of us think, you know, only after I start earning in seven digits or you know, this much of money, only then I'm going to be happy. Some of us think only when I get a house, I will be happy. Only when I get myself a car, I'm going to be happy. Only when I get myself a spouse, I'm going to be happy. Only when I get children, I'm going to be happy. And this ends up becoming a rat race from one thing to the other, where we never end up being happy. We're always grumbling. We're always complaining. And we do what? We hold ourselves to these attachments. To explain with more clarity, just as how I spoke about the Pareto principle earlier on, I want to talk about something known as the hedonic treadmill. This is an observed tendency. You know, we, we, you, 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 you see this tendency of human beings, okay, where we quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events or life changes. So let me explain. So you have this you have this, you're moving along life like this. And now there is this sudden positive event. Okay, let's say marriage. Let's say a promotion. Okay, let's say you just made a million dollars. Okay, the halal million dollars, mashallah. So now this is, this is obviously a positive event, right? So boom, you go up now. But do you know that you're never going to be up there the whole time? Eventually, after a period of time, you come back to where you were to that relatively stable level and then you continue another positive event another positive spike up you go again and then after a period of time a certain period of time you'll come back to the relatively stable level you know what's even more interesting it's the same for negative events so let's say after those two positive spikes suddenly a negative spike you lose a loved one boom you go down but you're not going to be there the whole time, my dear brother, my dear sister. Eventually, you come back again to the relatively stable level. Again, another negative event. Allah forbid you lose a lot of money. Boom, you go down. And then after a period of time, you again come back to the relatively stable level. This is from the wisdom of Allah Azzawajal, that he has created as, us as such. And this is, this is 
psychologists and others actually discuss this. It's called the hedonic treadmill. You can Google it up later on. You can read up on it. It's mind-blowing. So it's always stable. You will have positive events. You will have negative events. But you're not, some of us, we think, you know, when we, when we go into that negative spiral, we think, oh, you know what? I'm going to be here forever. I'm never going to go back to being normal. That's just our restricted mindset at that point. After a period of time, you go back to being normal. And then life continues. And you know, you know, you know what the end conclusion is? Life goes on regardless. Life goes on. So, my dear brothers, my dear sisters in Islam, it's important that we understand these concepts as believers. No, 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 not uh, in the comments I'm reading. It's not an uh, atomic treadmill. It's a hedonic, hedonic treadmill. H-E-D-O-N-I-C, hedonic treadmill. All right? Okay. So, to continue... Uh, these are these are very important, you know, points for us to internalize, to understand the true spirit of Ramadan, to understand that it is through this that we can attain happiness, where we live lighter lives, where we where we subtract all these unnecessary things, okay, that complicate our lives, that make it very very sluggish, and we are not able to move forward. So subhanallah, the month of Ramadan, you know, when you really sit down and contemplate and reflect on the beauty of the month of Ramadan, you come to realize that there are so many powerful lessons to deduce from the month of Ramadan, along with it being the month of the Quran, along with it being the month of forgiveness, the month of, of radiance, the month of goodness. It's a shining light to guide us forward, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam. So let me conclude by saying that it is important that we remind ourselves of all of these teachings. Let us use this month to the best of our capacities because we have no guarantee whatsoever to assure ourselves that we are going to be around for the next month of Ramadan. Think about it. Last year, the year before that, there were family members of ours there were friends of ours who were around. But this year, they're no longer with us. They have passed on. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them with lofty ranks in Jannah. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enlightens their graves. Ameen. And similarly, we pray that Allah azza wa jal blesses us with long, healthy and productive lives to attain many more Ramadan in the future. But like I said earlier on, we don't have any assurance as Allah tells us, every soul shall inevitably taste death. In another place he says, That wherever you may be, even if you're going to be in a lofty fortified tower, death will come to you. And death is going to come at the appointed time. So every second that we have at our disposals, my dear uh, brothers and sisters, we need to utilize it to the best of our capacities. So if Allah has blessed us, to, to witness this month of Ramadan, this beautiful month of Ramadan, then we need to thank Allah Azza wa Jal. We definitely need to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, and we need to fulfill the rights of that blessing. If Allah has blessed you with good health, then you need to fulfill your rights, the rights with regards to that health. You need to use it. That, that youth that you have, the strength that you have, the health that you have, the wealth that you have. You need to use it to the best of your capacities. So my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, pray, pray unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seek the forgiveness of Allah azza wa jal. Get closer to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Pray for your loved ones who have passed away. Pray for them, pray for your parents, pray for all of them. Use this month to the best of your capacities and get closer to Allah azza wa jal. With that I conclude this reminder. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, just as how He united us here, on this platform uh, from different parts of the world. I, I, I thank uh, TWMCC as well for organizing this, Dr. Abbas and the other brothers behind uh, the scenes. May Allah accept this from us and take us from strength to strength. And may Allah Azza bless us to be united many more times in the future across such events. And lastly, may he unite us in the beautiful and lofty gardens of Jannah with our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Ameen, ameen wa akhir da'wa. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullahu khairah.